coming to you live from Canada. Here comes your game-changing, life-transforming, turning point moment. <clears throat> yes, this is the sign you've been looking for. You're listening to Engage City Church. Powered by hope, not hype. Online at engagechurch.ca. We're going to get right into it tonight. I got a word for you and I got a word for some of you tonight. Uh, a specific word, but I, I, I was given the assignment to teach on the Holy Spirit, the DNA of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm the kind of person that, that I, I'm not going to apologize for this. I, I preach, I use a lot of scripture in my messages. And so I'm going to put them on the screen. They're like life size. And so uh, we're going to read along with them. And I do that because I want the Bible to prove my point. And uh, we're going to read scripture tonight to help you understand that the, the concept that I'm sharing with you tonight is not an, uh, something you can understand by a, uh, a communicator. It's something that only the Holy Spirit can do. The Holy Spirit, actually, right now, you may not realize this. You might not feel it. You might feel the cold, or you might be a little sweaty after a good worship time, or you might be disconnected because you just came from work, but you might not realize it, but the Holy Spirit is actually working right now in your life. At this very moment and second, you might not feel the emotion, you might not feel the tears, you might not feel the, you know, when you get the little things in the back of your neck, oh my gosh, the Spirit of God is here, you know, when you feel that, you might not be feeling that at this very second, but you have to know that the Holy Spirit is actually working right now. It's very important you understand that tonight, and so I pray that the Holy Spirit will inspire you and speak to you through the message I'm going to share with you tonight. So we're going to just walk through a scripture in Ephesians chapter 1. Wow, it's so big. I didn't anticipate this, so uh, I'm going to have to stand over here once in a while. I hope that's okay for your sound there, uh, but we're going to read this life-size scripture, and we're going to walk through this together. And I feel like it's a double, but it's not. It's not a double. It's, it's, it's actually the scripture I intended to read. It looks so large. Uh, okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to read this together. And I just want to walk you through the scripture. So it says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith and the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit, with a little F there, meant to take that out, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That means if you click it, there's like cross-references, so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who Believe. Now, Paul is writing this scripture. He's writing this scripture to the church of Ephesus. And as Paul was writing this scripture to the people of Ephesus, he was articulating to them how incredibly important it is that they know how proud he is. He, he planted the church, uh, the church, he was the dad of this church, and he was so excited to let them know that, church, I want you to know tonight that I am so proud of you. You're doing a great job. I've heard about your love. I've heard about your love for God's people. I've heard about your love for the saints. I've heard about what you're doing in the community. I hear about the people that are coming to, to God. I hear about incredible things that God is doing in, in your church. And I want to say I am very, very proud of you. And Paul here is identifying to this church that he is so, so excited and so happy that they're doing a good job. But also, he says, listen, I want you to know that you're doing an incredible job, but I also want you to know that I am actually praying for you. 
You might be a really good church. You might be doing really great stuff. You might be experiencing all these incredible things that God is doing. But I want you to know that I am actually praying that God will do something even more in your midst. He's basically saying in the scripture, I want you to know I'm proud of you, but you cannot get satisfied. You cannot get comfortable. You cannot allow your heart and your mind to get to a place of comfort. You can't become idle. You can't be satisfied. There's more. There are deeper seas. There are higher heights. There is more. 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 As a follower of Jesus Christ, you are not to be satisfied with where you are at. But understand, there is more. There's more for you, there's more for your life, there's more for your marriage, there's more for your finances, there's more for your prayer life, there's more for your Bible reading, there's more for the presence of God in your life, there is more, there is more, there is more, there is more, so don't get satisfied. He wants him to know, listen, I'm proud of you, you're doing a good job, but there is more. And he prays this prayer, look what he says. He says, I pray, I keep asking, sorry, I'm standing right in front of it, but you look around me. Or just reading your Bible, you got one, don't you? I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Notice what he says, he prays to Jesus, he prays to the Father, and then he says, I'm praying that the Father would actually send the big letter, big capitalized S, Spirit. And when he identifies the spirit, he actually identifies what happens when the spirit shows up. When the Holy Spirit comes on the scene, he identifies that there is the word revelation. Revelation occurs. The word revelation here, as I defined on the screen, it says to help you understand the way it should be. It means the revelation is the supernatural communication of truth to your mind. It's to lighten, a disclosure of truth, an uncovering, a removal of a veil. It's as though when the Spirit of God comes, when the Holy Spirit rests on your life, when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, when you activate that, when you welcome that, when you invite that, there is this unveiling of your eyes. Something supernatural happens in how you see, how you hear, how you perceive. Something is unveiled, something you did not understand before. You're living life a certain way, and the Holy Spirit comes and says, no, actually, this is how it should be in your life. And the Holy Spirit comes, there is a revelation, and then he keeps, he keeps praying. He says, I also pray that the, uh, that the eyes of your heart, notice the word eyes, the eyes of your heart, your heart is the place where all of what we treasure in life, our control center for our life, our emotions, our mind, our soul, everything flows from our heart. The eyes of your life, the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your existence, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That word enlightened literally means in the Greek to turn on the light. It's to illuminate. It's as though you were living in darkness and now there's a light turned on in your understanding. Think about that for a minute. When the Holy Spirit comes, when the Father sends His Spirit, not only in our midst, but in your life, it's like, it's like a light's turned on. You go from fear to faith. You go from, from pain 
to healing. You go from sadness to joy. You go from discouragement to, 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 to a hope to believe that there's a better future. There's a light switched on in our minds and in our hearts where the Holy Spirit comes. He flicks a switch in the eyes of your heart and you can now see something. Oh, I didn't see that before. Oh, I didn't have that perspective before. I was thinking with doubt and fear and shame and now I'm thinking with faith and hope and life. The Holy Spirit comes and he turns on the light of your understanding. He turns on the light of your heart. He turns on the light of your faith. He turns on the light of your hope. He turns on the lights. There's darkness, confusion. Things feel perplexed, a little bit perplexing. You don't know how this is going to work out in your marriage. I don't know how this is going to happen in my relationships. I don't know how this is going to pan out with my finances and the Holy Spirit in one instance, in one moment, in one, in one iota of a millisecond comes and instantly he changes everything and turns on the light. Something shifts in your perspective on the life that you're living. In fact, the reason Paul could communicate this message was because Paul had experienced this message. You guys all know, you're all, most of you, I believe, are believers here tonight. DNA night, Holy Spirit. You know the story of Saul turned to Paul. Saul was this man who thought he was serving God, but in reality, he was actually living for himself. There was anger and, in fact, so angry at these people called the, the sect called the way who preached Jesus Christ being uh, resurrected from the dead. And these people of the way were serving this God named Jesus. And Paul believed that they were a kind of a, a run of the mill cult. And so in his heart, he had murderous desires to destroy them, as you know. And so he's on his way to Damascus with a letter in his hand from the government to kill as many Christians as he could. And on his way down the path, you, as you know, Jesus knocks him off his high horse. He falls on the ground and Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, I didn't know it was you, Lord. And then he says, I want you to go into the city and I'm going to send someone to speak to you. I'm going to send someone to do something in your life. And meanwhile, Ananias is in the city being told by God to go talk to this murderer. And Ananias is thinking, come on, God, don't make me do it, please. This guy, it's a trick. He's going to like totally just like take me out. I know what's going to happen. I'm the first to go in Damascus. I know what's going on. This is the devil, not God. I get it. He says, no, I need you to go into the city and do exactly what I tell you to do. And so we come to the story now and look exactly what happened to Paul in the scripture, life size again. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, whom you appear, who appeared to you on the road as you are coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again when the Holy Spirit came upon Saul's life immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he could see Again, Paul had experienced this. He had experienced this reality. He would experienced this encounter. We see another example of this in Luke chapter 24. Jesus is sitting around the table after he resurrected from the dead. And it says, as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. And then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly or immediately, their eyes were opened and they 
recognized. And that word recognized is my favorite Greek word, epigenosko. That word epigenosko is the word know. It's actually the word defined intimacy. It's actually the Greek word. Any children in here? Okay, plug your ears, kiddos. You all know about this. It's okay. It's actually the Greek word used to define a sexual relationship between a man and a woman in a biblical marriage relationship. So when a man and a woman were going to be married in, in that culture in that day, they would say they're going to go epigenosko. They're going to know one another. When, when a man and a woman are in a sexual relationship with one another, their bodies are unified as one. You just might think it's something that physical that happens. Actually, something spiritual happens. Something emotional happens. Something happens in your physical body. God designed the intimacy between a man and a woman in a marriage relationship to be the example of what epigenosco intimacy you and I have with the Holy Spirit. That when you and I are experiencing a relationship with the Holy Spirit, there is such deep intimacy physically and emotionally and, and mentally and spiritually and physically. My whole being, my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength are being impacted. When my eyes are opened, I recognize Jesus. I see him like I never saw him before. I have a fresh revelation that I didn't have yesterday. I experience him like never before. This intimate encounter, this epikinosco moment. And Paul actually wrote in Ephesians chapter, chapter 2, 4, and 5. Look what he said. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. When you became a follower of Jesus Christ, at one moment and in one instant, you went from darkness to light. Now, I love saying statements like this in a Christian context. Because most Christians are like, well, I get that. What are you talking about? I know that. But do you really? Do you really understand that when the Holy Spirit came in one instant, in one moment, I don't know where you were when the Holy Spirit found you. I know where I was, stuck in addiction and pain and depression. I have an addictive personality and the devil knew it. And he found me in the darkest part of my life. And the Holy Spirit in one instant, in one iota of a nanosecond, in one moment, the Holy Spirit immediately and suddenly came upon my life. And I recognized Jesus for who he was. You went from darkness to light. You went from sickness to health. You went from brokenness to wholeness. You went from here to there. In one instance and in one moment, the Holy Spirit changed everything in your life. Here's a, a metaphor or an allegory of your life in Luke chapter 7. It's big. I know you can listen. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. And the young man who had died with a widow's only son and a large crowd from the village was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. And the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up. That's a crazy funeral. <laughs> the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. 
When you were being pulled out in your life, you were laying dead in a coffin of your life. You were in spiritual darkness. You were in spiritual brokenness. You were lost, dejected, broken, hurting, addicted, and had nowhere to go, perplexed about your future, misunderstood. You don't know what's going to happen in your life. And in one moment, Jesus came, and he placed his hand upon the coffin of your life, and he said, rise up, come alive. You made you alive with Christ. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit made you alive like you were never alive before. You say, Ryan, I know this, but do you really know this? See, the sad part about many Christians in in the kingdom of God today, especially in the 21st century, is that even though Jesus came and touched the coffin of your life, you want to go back and get back in the coffin. You spend your time wanting to know God better and trying to figure it out and doing all these things, and we find ourselves actually getting back into the coffin of death and idleness and satisfaction and complacency and comfort, and we don't realize that there is so much more for our lives. We get satisfied, and we forget that we were pulled from darkness to light. We were taken from addiction to wholeness. We were brought from hopelessness to hopefulness. We were taken from disbelief and doubt to faith and light. That's what Jesus did for you, and he did it by sending the Holy Spirit into your heart. He changed you in one instance, in one moment. He caused you to come alive. Now, why would Paul be saying this to the church of Ephesus? Why would Paul start his book by identifying that they needed the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to come and bring revelation? I thought they already had revelation. They were already a good church. Paul was saying, you're doing a good job. Why would Paul feel the need to identify their need for the Holy Spirit to come and turn on their lights? Because he knew their tendency. Look at the scripture in Luke chapter, or Mark chapter 14 again I'm sorry he came back and found them sound asleep he said to Peter Simon you went to sleep on me can't you stick it out with me a single hour stay alert be in prayer so you don't enter the danger zone without even knowing it don't be naive part of you is eager ready for anything in God but another part is as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire The crazy part about your walk with Christ is that you don't even realize that you can slip into the danger zone without even knowing it. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we, we go to church and we pray and we read our Bibles and we give our, our 8.73% and then we give a little bit more if we want to give an offering. And then we, we, we do evangelism every now and then we go to the outreaches and all those things are really, really good. But the problem is, is that many of us are doing those things, but we've slipped into the danger zone and we're laying next to the, uh, being a lazy dog, next, laying next to the fire, slipping back into that old place of life we used to be, doing the things that were followers of Christ. Doing things like we know we should do, but in reality, deep inside of our heart, we are dead. See, Paul was saying, listen, you're doing good. You've done good, but be careful. And I think actually Paul was being prophetic. Because when Paul wrote this, le- this book to the church of Ephesus, I believe he knew what would be later be written in Revelation. When John wrote on behalf of Christ, Christ went to seven churches. And Jesus told John, John, write these, letter, write these words down on behalf of the seven churches. And look what he said to the church of Ephesus. Write this letter 
to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in the right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. That's Jesus. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. Sounds very familiar to what Paul said. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You've discovered they are liars and you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Jesus is saying, hey, good job. Now remember, this is the church of Ephesus. The same church that Paul prayed that the spirit of revelation would come. He said, you're doing a good job. But Jesus says, you know, I have this one complaint against you. He says, I have this complaint, this, this concern that you don't love me or each other as you did at first. The reason I wanted to share this with you tonight, because I think as followers of Jesus, sometimes we think that we're good. We just think that, you know, like, I, as long as I say that prayer, and as long as I go to church, as long as I give my money, as long as I do my thing, like, I'm good. Right? Like, I know all the things that I need to do to, to be a good Christian, right? Is, is, is that kind of what it's all about? Yes, there are disciplines we must do to grow in our walk with God. But I, I have a, a message inside of my heart for the church today to say, listen, don't become so focused on doing that you forget that sometimes the Holy Spirit wants to come and do something so different in your life that he'd never done before. Many of us have been in those church services or those conferences or those youth groups where you went at that time. And you say, I remember when. I remember when I was in grade seven and I was at that youth camp and God ministered and God moved. And it was so incredible and it changed my life. Yes, but do you know the Holy Spirit wants to do that in your life right now? Yeah. Do you know that the Holy Spirit wants to minister to your heart and your life right this second? And actually, Jesus told us exactly what we are supposed to do in this scripture. It's very, very clear in the scripture. Look what he says. In Revelations 2, 4, and 5, he says, You don't love me as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. And look what he says next. Oh, he can't see it now. It's okay. <laughs> he says, I'll read it to you. It says, Anyone with ears to hear, this is what Jesus says to you. If you're here tonight, and you say, Ryan, I've, I've gotten back in that coffin I'm just like a lazy dog sitting next to the fire. I've slipped into the danger zone. Look what Jesus says that you can do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. He refers to the Holy Spirit. Now let me take you back to the very beginning. Ephesians chapter 117, the very key text. and You can see it right here. He says, I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come. Look at that. That you might what? Know him better. That word know is guess what? Epigenosco. Do you know that the primary role of the Holy Spirit in your life is to help you fall even more intimately in love with Jesus? My concern for many followers of God today is that we've allowed ourselves to get into that comfort zone. We've allowed ourselves to be a little satisfied. And I believe what the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to come in his grace, in his love, in his power. And he wants to minister to your heart. And that's why I said in the beginning, you don't even realize that he's working and you don't even feel it. 
He is here right now ministering to your heart and to your mind. Right now, at this very moment, the Holy Spirit is here. And if you're here tonight, you say, you know what, Ryan? I'm like a lazy dog sitting next to the fire. You know what, Ryan? I have fallen away from my first love. You know what, Ryan? I don't love him like I used to love him, Ryan. What do I do? Should I go pray for an hour? Should I go read 15 chapters of the book of John? Should I go to every church service that I can go to? The answer is sure. But you know what you really need to do? Stop. Do nothing. And let the Holy Spirit do what he does best in your life. He works when you dove in and realize it. When you're in the darkest part of your life, do you know the Holy Spirit is there in those moments working on your heart? Do you know the moments when you're confused and you just don't know why life is turning out like it's turning out? Did you know that the Holy Spirit is there working in your life? You don't have to do anything. What I want to do for a moment here tonight is I'm just going to give us a moment just to wait. You don't have to do anything. And the Holy Spirit here right now, what he wants to do is what he does best. He comes and he reveals. He comes and he turns that light on in your heart. He comes and reminds you of where you came from. He comes and reminds you of where he found you. Can you remember back to the day he found you? close your eyes can you remember back to the moment when you first met Jesus do you remember where you were at do you remember what kind of pain you were experiencing do you remember what kind of discouragement you had in your life or the confusion you had can you remember back to that moment Spirit wants to do right now is he wants to just rekindle a fire of passion for the presence of the Lord. He wants to turn some lights on. He wants to reveal something fresh. He wants to bring back into your remembrance the things he taught you many years ago that you wrote down or you journaled or you underlined in your Bible when you were first a follower of God and you served what and said, oh my gosh, this blew my mind. He wants to do it again right now in this moment. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? Holy Spirit, I just ask you. In the name of Jesus Christ, Father, would you send the Spirit right now? Holy Spirit, we ask you to come in this moment, in this moment of, of quiet. Would you rekindle? Would you re reignite? Would you re uh, return the lights on in our heart? That, Father, we might see you again. That we might understand who you are again, oh God. Father, we've gotten complacent. we got a little settled. we got a little comfy, a little satisfied. Living on old words, living on old thoughts, living on old things. But God, Holy Spirit, right now, would you reveal yourself to us right now? Holy Spirit, this is the only thing that can change a church. This is the only thing that can transform lives. This is the only thing, God. Nothing else but the presence of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, right now, we lay down our pride. We lay down our fear. 
We lay down our doubt. We lay down, Father, our confusion right now. We pray, Holy Spirit, turn our lights on right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, turn the lights on in this place even right now. Turn the lights on in our heart even right now, Holy Spirit. Come on right now. I want you just for a moment, as we're just going to take a few moments just to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Would you just place your hand on your heart and begin to invite Him to come. Holy Spirit, we invite you in right now. Come on, just begin to use your words. Use your mouth right now. Begin to invite Him in. Holy Spirit, we invite you in right now. Holy Spirit, we invite you in. We invite you in. We invite you in. Come on, this is between you and Him right now. You've been listening to The Engage Life, powered by Engage City Church. If you like what you heard, check out engagechurch.ca.